going to take it. Two legends in basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. All right, here we go. Another episode of the Ryan and Goodman podcast is here and we have none other than the uh, very, very busy Harvard coach, Tommy Amaker. Uh, If you haven't known by now, uh, the Ivy League is not playing basketball this season. So Tommy is looking for things to do. And uh, what better thing to occupy your time, Tommy, than coming on the Ryan Goodman podcast? Well, listen, guys. First of all, I'm glad you guys invited me. Uh, It's about damn time you you asked me to come on your show. I appreciate it. Uh, It's an honor, especially with you, Bob. Uh, Jeff and I have our have our moments. He's the best, but there's no one better than you, Bob Ryan, and you know how I feel about you. So thanks guys for having me. And, and I want to say this right away, even though we don't have our season, you know, it still has been pretty busy for me because I've been involved in other, honestly, in other things outside of basketball. Oh, we want to hear about it. it. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about some of the things with the NABC and certainly things that I still do on behalf of our university too. So it's a, you know, basketball has been taken away in terms of us coaching, but uh, I'm not sitting around twiddling my thumbs. Well, what is your contact with players, though, at, at this point? Well, you know, we, Bob, we just finished uh, our exams. Uh, one of the things we talked to our kids about, and I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm going to be able to hold them to this. We talked about uh, this should be our best semester academically. <laughs> um, you know, we really honed in on trying to compete, you know, in that, that aspect. So we just finished exams on Friday. And our guys, you know, they're excited to have that over, as any kid would be with college exams and uh, getting ready for the holiday. But they're doing great. They've, uh, it's been a tough thing for any kid to think about basketball being taken away from them at the level that they play. But we also talked about uh, if that's the biggest thing that we have to deal with during this pandemic and during this time, you know, what well, we're pretty darn lucky then. Hey, take us back to um, the, the, well, the, you guys were the, the conference was the first ones when you canceled the tournament and it was going to be, you were going to host it on top of that. I mean, just, just, just walk us through the feeling that the incredulous, you know, we were incredulous. Did you, well, did, did you take steps to try to prevent it and, or, or, you know, lobby or how, what was that period of time like for you? You know what, going back, we had two games on that Friday and Saturday before the announcement was made to us on that Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, we got the call on Tuesday morning. Um, but we played Brown on Friday night at home and we lost. So we were just devastated by that. We had Yale coming in on Saturday, which Yale and we had, us and Yale have been the two top teams and we were fighting it out for the conference regular season championship. So we lost on Friday. We needed Yale to lose in order to make Saturday's game for, you know, for all of the marbles again, they won and we had to play for second place. We had to beat them to get second place on Saturday, which we won the game on Saturday. So we're feeling good. We know we got the tournament coming up the following weekend. Well, as things started to progress, I get a call from our president, Larry Bacow, and he wanted me to know that uh, this is the way things were looking and the announcement was going to come. And he just wanted me to have a heads up. And he was very gracious to give me the news. And um, and he just said he really thought that things were moving in a direction that um, it's not going to go well for the rest of this spring and into the summer and some information and that he had through the medical experts. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Hey, I get it. I understand that. How do I have to 
when this comes out, how do I, I'm able to say and speak to our team knowing that we're going to, you know, seniors, this no. is it. You know, it was just a, or, or a moment in time where Bob and Jeff, that you can imagine how hard going into that room to speak to your team and tell them this is where we are. But I wanted them to feel, you know, which we did feel, you know, they were hurt, crushed, angry, um, but also wanted them to know, in all honesty, we, after we got through that together, and I was with them with that, is that we need to make sure that we understood that our administration and our president, they know what they're doing. Like, we need to show that we're supportive of this, even though it's, it's a very hard, tough thing. And we turned out to be, as you know, to be right. Not that we were trying to do things. We were hoping that we were going to be wrong, but yeah. we turned out to be right. You turned out to be right. You were right on everybody. I remember I, my first reaction was, oh, come on, they do it without fans, you know, because yes. I, I was all for that. And I wanted it to go on naturally. But when uh, the so I, I, you know, the word came down, I was just disappointed as a fan, you know, that they weren't going to have the tournament at all. But and people you know, thought and many people, as you probably thought, thought we, we were overreacting. Right. I mean, uh, totally. the, the answer yeah. is quest. The answer is yes, I did personally. And I would oh no, what we all didn't. All the things we didn't know, you know, the world we couldn't have foreseen in March, uh, you know, of course not. I, I, I was fully didn't get it. And, you know, and, yes. well, that's that. Good thing I wasn't making the decision. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but we had so much, uh, you know, pushback and, and there was a lot of energy around us that, you know, thought that we were overreacting. I came out and made a statement in supportive of, of the decision of our league. I took a lot of you know, a lot came back at me like, oh, God, you know, what, how is he saying that? Or why is he saying whatever? And my point of saying that was that then after the fact, after everything kind of shut down, I got a lot of callbacks and people were saying, man, you guys must have known something. I said, well, <laughs> you know, it is Harvard. You know, so. Exactly. <laughs> you do have some smart people there. No, yeah, no right. doubt about we, it. If they're not here at Harvard, we know where to find them. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So that's last March. Now this year you guys double down on it and, yeah. and you cancel the season and everybody else is playing right now, Thomas. Yeah, now, yeah. is it great? Maybe not. I mean, there's a lot of hiccups with it. We're seeing the cancellations, the shutdowns, the quarantines, all of this, but you are seeing every time you turn on the TV, you know, tonight we got Kansas, West Virginia, we got Texas tech, Oklahoma. We got, by the way, you know, golden state warriors playing uh, Kyrie and, and, and the nets, like how are your kids dealing with this yeah Jeff you know in, in all honesty it, it's not easy um, but I do think that we've gotten through the all the feelings that we had earlier initially about it like you said in the fall and then the decision was made I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, when we decided as an as a conference to cancel the entire basketball season and going into you know winter and spring sports uh, one of the comments was made that uh, by the presidents when they had to make this, you know, tough decision. Uh, but the presidents asked, when, you, when we made the decision in the summer going into the fall, uh, are things better now than they were then when we had to make that decision? And actually, the answer was no, things aren't better, things are actually worse. So that led to the thought process of that decision. But to answer your question in the comment, is it hard for our kids? Of course it is. I mean, it is. But that doesn't mean that we're wrong. And I tell them that. I said, is it hard and tough? Of course it is. I said, but that doesn't mean that the decision that we've made is a wrong decision. And I think you've seen a lot of people, whether it's uh, Jeff Capel, whether it's Coach K, whether it's others that are, are feeling the way that, you know, this is a hard thing to what do. And maybe yeah. maybe what, the question is, what are we doing? Exactly yeah. right. I've heard that a lot. I'm sure you have too. 
A lot, a lot. And, and again, I'm torn, right? I mean, because some teams are playing and playing, you know, eight games already and, and, and haven't had any issues. And then you watch Keontae Johnson at Florida and you worry about him and his life. And it's great to see he's, he's awake. He's doing better. They had a pizza party, the team with him the other night. Awesome. But you worry, like, is this kid going to be able to play basketball again? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the unknowns there, you know, the, the, the effects of different things that we aren't, you know, no one knows at this point. And it's wonderful to see that, you know, we're, you know, on the cusp of, you know, moving forward with the vaccines that are out there. So, you know, things are, things are trending and moving in that direction. We're still having the cases that are high and hospitalization and deaths. And, but the thing is, and this is what I've said all along, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just a peon basketball coach. So, um, we're just going to abide by and listen to the, the experts. And if they advise this, then I'm okay with it. I'm not trying to have, feel like I have the answers of how we should go about doing this in this pandemic. But if, if the experts and the medical folks feel that this is the right thing to do, or, you know, it, in terms of where we are. And I've also said this, Bob and Jeff, is that, you know, for our model in our mindset, you know, at Harvard and the Ivy League, we're doing what people probably would expect us to do. I mean, I, I really believe that the model we have, the mindset that we've taken so that it's OK. And it's, and it's fine that we have a certain way of going about our business. That doesn't mean it's for everyone or that it's right for everyone. But it's, you know, what well, again, for the model and the mindset that we have, it fits us. Are your kids allowed to go into the gym individually or groups of two or three and shoot or play horse or something? Well, you know, Bob, we, we only had three of them on campus in the fall. Okay. Um, so we, you know, there were certain, you know, classes of kids who were invited to come back uh, to campus yeah. and we okay. had three out of our four freshman that. kids. Yeah. Um, and so we were able to get to that phase where we did have workouts in the fall. Um, but, you know, now we're going into the second semester or the spring semester. We've invited back the juniors and the seniors. Um, and so they have to decide whether they want to come, you know, or not. And then even if they are here, all the classes will still be virtual. Okay. There are no in-person classes, whether you're on campus or off campus. And so, you know, it's just kind of, and we wanted our kids to do whatever they feel is best for them. If that's come, if that's stay, if that's transfer, if that's, you know, take a leave of absence. I didn't want to get in, I, you know, well, I want to be here to help advise if they needed it, but this is not their fault. They shouldn't think about what's best for Harvard basketball or Harvard. They should think what's best for them. And we wanted to be fully, completely supportive. And they know that. You've been watching games? You know, it's, I've watched a few. I'm being very honest. It, it's something that I haven't been kind of glued to the TV sets or um, I've, I've tried to peek on, you know, friends, you know, in certain. Yeah, sure. You know, Bob, Bob it's not easy for Tommy to watch his, his alma mater. You oh. know, so far <laughs> this year, that? they haven't been great. So, yeah. You know, and one of the things I thought about this with the, the way the games are, and you guys may be interested to hear your thoughts, you know, it makes, it reminds me of playing pickup games, you know, in whether it's the summer or in, we all have, and all the players who start, aren't of a certain level, you know, but they're playing against maybe big time college guys or pro guys, but they, they're going at them and they're playing really well and they're playing at that level I'm going against. You're seeing that a lot with teams that are probably aren't as good, but they're playing some of these bigger. They're winning. They're not fighting the elements of the big lights, the all the fans, and all the things that come with the pressures that they have to deal with when they are playing, quote unquote, at a Cameron or at other places around the country. It's it's not the same. 
we've, as Jeff has pointed out, we've seen a couple of guarantee games go awry for people, including one last night, right? Bryant beat UMass. How about that? That's yeah, what I'm saying. How, how about that? How about that? I mean, <laughs> but that's what I mean. I'm not, there's nothing taking anything away from any team or player or program, but you're going to probably, I mean, we're going to see a lot. We've already seen a lot of that. And I think a lot of it's because, you know, when you think about playing certain teams or certain places, and I'll just use Duke for an example, my alma mater and, you know, how I feel about Duke and Coach K, but you think about teams going in there to play them. And the two things that, you know, that, you know, other than the actual players you have to go against, you also have to go against Coach K and you got to go against Cameron and the fans. And you see Coach K over there, he's got a, He's not even really Coach K. I mean, it's not you got him. You know, all the Izzo, whoever the, you're not really that guy anymore. I mean, you he, doesn't, on he doesn't have to do this anymore <laughs> when he's yelling at anybody. I mean, you don't even you don't even look like him. You know what I'm saying? So I'm wondering if all of that, the psychology of that is what I'm saying. I think allows teams to feel like, why can't they go in there and win? Right. Like right. just you're, it's just oh, yeah. scrimmage. You know, I think that's true. I think it's true in the NFL. You know, like in the world, yes, it's lost that home field. Seattle's lost that home field. You know, I think it's I think it's it's a very interesting psychological study. And I would not be surprised if there are psychological studies that we're going to find out about in the next few years. Uh, uh, someone's out there you know, with something to do so, to figure out. And let's take a look at this uh, connection between fans and, and emotion and the players. And 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 I, it's certainly out there to be done. And I bet somebody's doing it. I, really I, I Listen, I think it's real. And I thought about that when. We're, everyone's announced for the games and, and no fans and all, how is this going to work? I just really felt you're going to see a lot of this because we've all been there in terms of playing as a player where you're playing in games where there's nobody really around yeah. and you start playing against people who are so-called better than you and, and you're holding your own. Um, but then sometimes you watch, how does that guy so great now when you watch him on TV in front of all the light, I played against him. I, you know, I scored 25 against him, you know, but now it's different now when you got to play in the garden. You know, when in the lights are on and, and, you know, all the fans are there for, you know, for the Celtics. I mean, it's just the psychology of that is real. Well, the one thing I, I've learned or as I was taught was that it's much more a matter, at least in the eyes of some people, of the, the emotional stimulus that you get from the positive, this positive side for your fans rather than an intimidation factor. In other words, Bird told me this years ago that, that he, draw, he drew strength from the crowd. And, and he felt so cool. Remember, there was a stretch, Tommy, when they went, they went uh, year, almost over a year lost one game at home. They got it like, they won like 86 out of 87 in the garden and, yes. and at one point. And, and it was about that. He said it wasn't about intimidating the crowd. And, and, and I, but it's interesting that uh, I think somebody's got to study this. I think it's fascinating. I really do. It is. And it's real. It's real. So, what are you doing? You're down the Cape most days now. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you said you're yeah. not watching a ton of games. You're not around your, your players. I know you're you're super involved now with the NBC, and I love that. Craig Robinson's done a phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. job taking over, being active. Like, I feel like that organization was dormant for years. And uh, he's done a great job. And I know you, you, you're you involved in that. Uh, you've been involved in some other things. Um because otherwise your, your wife's going to, I mean, like, right, they, they, get you out of, like there's no way if you're not doing something, what, what are you going to be annoying her? Well, she, you know what, first of all, she's really busy. Um, and, and, and everybody with, the, with the zoom meetings and, and everything we're, 
you know, I'm in one part of the house, he's in another, you know, we got the, we have to find out when, when I can walk in and out of the kitchen, you know, because she's there in that area. Now. So we got to get our schedules coordinated, but, um, but you're right, Jeff, you know, as far as the NABC, you know, the National Association of Basketball Coaches is our governing body, uh, you know, for all of our, for division, all divisions of college basketball. And we're very proud of the association and I'm very proud to be on the board of directors of that. I've been on that now for, for a while. And, and now, as you mentioned, Craig being our new executive director, and he's doing, as you said so well, a tremendous job of leading us and supporting us. Uh, you know, we, we have great leadership and I you know, don't take anything away from Jim Haney, um, you know, but Craig is stepping in now and the baton has been passed to him and, and we're proud to be a part of it together. And I'm on a few committees, actually. I'm on, uh, I'm co-chair myself and Frank Martin from South Carolina. We co-chair the Racial Reconciliation Committee which is a very important one that was created after the George Floyd murder. Uh, and I was asked to chair that and I was, uh, wow, you know, I was really blown away that I was asked to do it. And, but we've taken initiatives, you know, we've been fighting for certain things within our organization to help, you know, us to, uh, you know, bring about change, uh, to make a difference, you know, in our society uh, and, and, and through basketball, you know, whether that's the elimination of trying to take on elimination of SAT and ACT tests, standardized tests. Uh, you know, we're doing things where we were heavily involved with other coaches as well with voter registration. Uh, you know, so different things that have come up, you know, Cal Perry and I have been a part of, you know, something as anchor coaches for another initiative that was his, his baby and his brainchild uh, is called the John McClendon Minority Leadership Initiative. And I know you guys, you know, know who and, and Bob, you probably, you probably knew, uh, you know, Coach McClendon. Well, I wish I did. No, I didn't. But yeah, uh, oh. yeah. So I'm totally well aware of his. Yes, just, just a legendary figure. And, and, and so we're, we, you know, we have, that's a coach driven initiative. You know, we're all coaches. Mm-hmm. We have Patrick Ewing, we have Coach K, we have uh, Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, football, basketball. But Cal is the one, he and I have kind of been the anchor coaches, but it's been, he's driven it. It's been his idea. And that's something that we're bringing about having minorities, more minorities, women and men hmm. being having exposure and access and opportunity on athletic campuses to become future leaders. You know, we've talked about how do we get more, you know, black people, African-Americans, minorities in leadership positions. Well, this is one of the ways that we can try to do that to help diversify athletic departments. And so money's been raised, um, you have these individuals that will come on these various campuses when the money's raised by the coaches. And now we bring women and men on and we have one here at Harvard and Cal, I think is doing five or six at Kentucky. Uh, you know, his bank account can afford that. Um, I'm, I'm not quite there. Uh, it probably never will be there, but, but his bank account is there. Um, but it's been a great thing. And so you asked me what I'm doing. These are some of the things in addition to helping serve at Harvard, you know, I, I'm, um, I'm on committees to help, you know, we have, I've asked, the president has asked me to serve on a committee to, and this was before the pandemic, but uh, to pick a new chief of police, uh, which is a very important position as, as we, and timely, as we can see, you know, in the world we live in with law enforcement. And so I'm on a committee to help select our new chief of police. I'm on a committee here at Harvard that has, uh, uh, you know, we've been involved in trying to select our new ch- uh, uh, minister of Memorial Church, the new pastor at, at our at our church on campus. And so just trying to serve Jeff, I think is a word that I believe in and have tried to do. And especially in time like now, trying to do my part and trying to serve. 
NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else on Bet Online. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Your background, uh, your whole experience now is, is really interesting because you've now had three different head coaching jobs in college. Major state U, where sports are taken very seriously. A, 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 a Catholic school where sport, where basketball uh, goes back into the I, I grew up with Walter Dukes and Richie Regan. Right? That's right. Oh, so I know this uh, prominence of Seton Hall and my boyhood idol. So help me God was Nick Workman oh, right. in Trenton, New Jersey. I modeled my game after him. And if you could always see my I'm the last of the great six one white pivot men, Tommy. I don't know if you know that. And, and uh, but anyway, and then you go to Harvard. And when you entered into it, were your eyes fully opened or or, or not? And I'm not, was it a revelatory or was it, ah, this is what I expected? You, you know, Bob, um, uh, you're right. In the three different, you know, stops that I've had uh, and, and differences there that, you, you know, you captured, you know, state institution at the University of Michigan, private Catholic school, you know, at Seton Hall, you know, in, in an urban environment, you know, right in South Orange, right there near Newark, um, you know, and coming from Duke, you know, where I spent all my training and playing and as an assistant, you know, for, for Coach K. So three, op, you know, just different environments. And then coming to Harvard, which has probably been the most different, you know, in so many <laughs> different say. ways. Yeah. In, in a very good way, though. I mean that because I well, think it's been... so, so, yeah, so when you can, you had to have some kind of preconceived notions. Uh, I mean, did you, who did you, did you like consult with somebody? Did you run the by? You think it's, well, you know, of course. I, am I, I going to fit here? Do I really want to do this? Is this, do I want, you know, the whole package, you know, whoa. Or not. I, 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 certainly, I certainly talked to Coach K, and he was, um, as you could probably imagine, you know, in some ways he was not as high on this opportunity, not, not uh, certainly nothing against Harvard, but just how different this will be in terms of what I had been accustomed to my whole entire time as a, you know, as a player. Well, and, as a coach. Yeah. and he was concerned about that. Um, but, I, you know, what I really felt, and honestly, I had other opportunities, but the one that I believed in the most, you know, was the opportunity to – maybe uh, do something pretty unique uh, and something special at, a, at an incredibly special place. You know, we had never won an Ivy league title in men's basketball. Um, and that's not, you know, that's not a knock to other people, you know, before us, but it was just fact. And it was one of the things that kind of was on that list of things in the world of sports, you know, whether it's the, the, uh, you know, for Cubs, uh, you know, the Red Sox, you know, for 86 yeah, no, years. It was so many things that you had Army, you know, Northwestern basketball, you know, had so there was a list of things that, you know, you really didn't want to be on that list. Um, <laughs> but we were for Harvard men's basketball. And I, you know, I thought, you know, how cool could it be, you know, to maybe play a small role in something like that happening. And, and then I thought, which made the New York, I was really proud of this. It made the quote of the day in the New York Times. I mean, <laughs> it made the quote when I said, how, how many times can you, I mean, you, I said, the quote was, you can look around here at Harvard and probably not find anything that's never been done before. 
this is the one thing maybe at Harvard that has never been done before. <laughs> and it made the call. So it's pretty cool. And I was really pleased to know when I was hired, uh, before I was hired, Bob Scalise, our AD, who's just retired. Uh, we have a new AD now, Aaron McDermott, a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, uh, but Bob asked me to come when they were trying to get me to take the job, to come and, to, you know, fly to Boston, come to Harvard and just kick the tires around. I always remember him saying that. And I was able to, um, you know, he actually said that he told the players that, you know, for any serious candidate that they were thinking about, they would ask them, they would want me or ask that candidate to meet with the players. And I remember seeing Jeremy Lin sitting over on the couch, Bob, in the, in, in the, in Mer Lounge when I went up to meet with the guy oh. just at 6.30 in the morning, they tried to bring me in really early in the morning just so nobody would, the Jeff Goodmans wouldn't know. Um, you know, so I was, I was just trying to get in there. And I just remember Jeremy Lynn sitting on the end of the couch with his arms folded like this and had his eyes were just beaming on me out of the corner of his eye. He just wanted, you could tell he was just taking it all in, you know, what, who is this guy? How's he going to play? Or, you know, how's this going to, what, what is, who is he? And I'll never, I'll never forget how intense he was with listening to everything that I was saying hmm. um, and my thoughts and feelings that if I were to come there, how I wanted to do things. And, and I thought I made a big impression on him, you know, of how we wanted to go about. But answering your question, Bob, about how different, but I knew it was going to be different. I, I had known, you know, I love Boston. You know, my wife and I had come here at the times before just to hang out and vacation on long weekends. Well, even we're in Ann Arbor. Um, we had some time, you know, we would just come and, you know, stay at the Four Seasons, you know, down on the Public Garden and just kind of, you know, know, get to know Back Bay. And then, you know, you, you guys are from here. What, what an incredible part of the, the country, New England, Boston, you know, the, the Cape, you know, where we are now, the islands, um, you know, and then we've made some amazing friends here. And I'm hoping to get a chance of, to talk about our breakfast club um, that uh, since you guys have me on your, your show here, now you're committed to me to come to my breakfast club at some point. So that's how we work this deal here. Um, but I would love to share with you about that at some point too. But, but Harvard, Bob, is a special place. I don't have to tell you guys what it means and what it stands for. And then the kind of kids we've been able to attract to make our basketball brand relevant. I don't know if I told you this before, but uh, you stuck uh, a thought in my head that um, one of your predecessors once told me, and that was Frank McLaughlin, that, that one reason he took the Harvard job was he was having breakfast and Digger Phelps, he was, he was a Digger's assistant at the time at Notre Dame. And he said, Oh, the Harvard job just opened. I forget uh, which, uh, you know, and um, he said, you ought to look into that. I think it's good. I think it's a good job. And, and, and he would, he said, I would never have entered my mind to apply for that job. If Digger hadn't said, you know, so I'm just interesting. I, that just flashed across my head. Well, when you, when you, when you think of Frank McLaughlin, you think of Frank Sullivan. I mean, you know, you, you're talking about some really, really neat guys. Uh, you know, some great coaches. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very because Frank and I are become we've become very good friends, Sullivan. So They're I'm terrific I'm guys. Very, I mean, of course. I mean, I mean, and how well they represented what they did. They they have been very supportive and helpful to me, uh, Frank. Both of them. You know, prior to me, we said, who did I talk to? I talked to both of those guys, <laughs> uh, and and they were very, very encouraging and helpful in ways of you know, the nuances of, you know, of the Ivy League, of, of Harvard in general, and, and very helpful, very supportive. I'm very grateful to both of those guys and both of those coaches who are terrific people, great gentlemen, and were outstanding coaches, as, as both of you know. 
All right, now I got to get to the important stuff. We we got all the preliminaries, you know, but let's get to the important stuff. My daughter wants me to ask you, what was it like coaching Mo Lewis's son? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> and and I'll, I'll tell you, this is a great story about Mo. Uh, Mo and Crystalline. Uh, so Chris Lewis is his name, their son, who yep. was a tremendous player for us. Uh, I mean, a, a joy to coach. Mo, you know, when we uh, – we got it. And one of the reasons we got it was because of the dean of the engineering department. We asked Dean Harry Lewis, Harry Lewis, uh-huh. we asked him would he meet with Chris Lewis. Engineering now was a, that was going to determine where Chris Lewis went to, went to school. I mean, he's brilliant. I mean, he's a brilliant kid. He's a tremendous athlete. Um, but engineering was something that he really wanted to make sure, you know, that he was dialed into. And we had the Dean of Engineering meet with him when he came on a visit and always teased our assistants. I said, you guys, you think you recruited Chris Lewis? Yeah, you didn't do the, Harry Lewis, the Dean of Engineering, is one who got Chris Lewis. Um, but I'll tell you this about Mo. When they, when they came, we have, our, have a nice barbecue cookout uh, at our place on Cape Cod as the initial thing we start off with a year, right around the Labor Day time, right before the kids start class and the freshmen are already here for a few days. It's a nice gathering, you know, it's a really fun thing. And, and you know, we kick things off. A lot of folks are there. Um, and Mo and Crystal, uh, Chris's mom and Mo's wife. Uh, and actually, Crystal is probably the better athlete in the family. She's a three-time high school state champion at Millersville, Georgia. And so oh. Mo, th- Mo gets all the credit, but it's Crystal. <laughs> um, okay. But they came and dropped him off, Bob, at our place. And I remember Mo pulling me aside. This is true. This is what he said. He said, you're never going to hear from me. You're never going to get any calls from me about is he playing enough or how many shots or is he even playing at all? He said, he said, you got him. He said, this is all this last time you're going to hear from me unless something you need to talk to me about and you initiated, but you got him. He said, only thing I ask, just show him where to get a haircut every now and then. That's the only <laughs> thing I ask you to help me with. That yeah. was it. I mean, that, that's how you, I mean, when you think about, uh, parents uh, in what we hear in today's time yeah, it must be you think about someone that must be refreshing boy I it guess. was amazing wow amazing now, now for those of our viewers and listeners who don't know why i bring this up yes. it might be on the young side or perhaps you only follow one sport in your life i don't understand people like that but they <laughs> exist i'm told they exist it's like people who like beats i i understand i don't get it but some people like beats anyway google rublet so slash mo lewis and you'll know why I bring up this topic. And I'll, I'll say this to you too, Bob and Jeff, that it was, uh, he hates that that's one of the things that he's known for. I mean, he, he would always, whenever he would come, and he didn't come to a lot of games. I mean, he, they wouldn't, they would come if we played on the road somewhere, he'd catch it, but he didn't come. But, he, you know, obviously certain meaningful games, his last game, you know, you know here for Harvest, certain things yeah. that he would be here for. Um, but he always really like that. I guess there's a thing that, you know, just as a, as an athlete, you know, there's a code of honor there. Like, you know, you never want to be thought of and known for, or even celebrated, you know, for a guy that, you know, hurt someone else, you know, livelihood and then career. So he was always very, very, you know, low key and standoffish and people would say things to him and he would really put them right away. Hey, that that's not something you should be, speaking to me. I mean, that was really, you talk about a class guy, yeah. uh, a, a really good man. And, uh, but that's, that's true about Mo. No, it's just the way things are and the way it's, that, that's uh, right. Um, you know, we, it wasn't a dirty hit. It was a, it was a vicious and tough, 
legitimate hit, and it was a, 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 a you know a convergence of circumstance, and you know, and we all know in the, in the beginning of Tom Brady. But it, it was the total beginning of Tom Brady. All right, one other more important question for me, and that is, where is you know that where are the whereabouts of one of my favorite Harvard players, Laurent Rivard, <laughs> and the troisième. The and one of my all-time favorites. And one of my all-time favorites. I mean, <laughs> I, I tease him. All, I, this is a great story. You guys appreciate this. I would always refer to him as the second best shooter in Boston. <laughs> in the first and the best shooter in Boston during his time, during his time when he played for us. Oh, was was Ray? Label for him was Ray Allen. Ray, yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> and I remember seeing Doc Rivers once, and he said, like, who, who, who was – who was this kid that you keep? I hear you talking about. You know, I hear it on the, in the articles. I, people have told me that you know this kid is the second best shooter behind Ray Allen. Says <laughs> if he wanted to know who who Laurent was, it was a great story. But Laurent's doing great. He's married, has a child. Uh, he was living in Philadelphia, working in the in the corporate world. There's a chance I'm pretty sure he's coming back to to Boston and New England uh, to live here. But he he's. He's one of the all-time favorites for me. I mean, he was a kid that when he shot the ball, like Ray Allen, when he shot it, you were surprised when he missed. I looked it up to be sure I wasn't delu- you know, hallucinating. Right? He, he's over a 40% career shooter for you. In fact, three of his four years, he shot over 40, and the other one, he shot 39. So, um, yeah, that he, he was green oh, light, Bob. He had the oh, green light. Yeah. <laughs> the, la, la lumière verte. Very, très bien. Good. That's right. Uh, Tommy, oh, yeah. I, I, I've been meaning to ask you this forever. I don't think I've ever asked you this. So you graduated from Duke in 87. Yeah. Why didn't you have a long career overseas or professionally? Like, why, why did you go into coaching a year later? I, um, I, was, I was drafted by the Sonics. You know, I tell, I tell players or kids who are recruiting, I say, they, they don't even know who the Sonics I mean, that, the Sonics didn't even exist. They don't yeah. even know. Uh, I said, yeah, it's the OKC team now. That's all you need to know. I said, but I was drafted by the Sonics in 87, the 55th player taken, right? And I was cut by the Sonics. That was a year we had no uh, – the collective bargaining had dropped, you know, had, had fallen. So there was no summer league. There was yeah. no free agent camp. You know, you got to show up. As soon as the thing was signed, you show up in, you know, the, the, the training camp. And so it wasn't a lot of time for me to try to make the uh, – he didn't have a lot of time to make the team. So I got cut halfway through preseason – Great story about that when we were playing at Wichita State, all right? And we were playing there because Xavier McDaniel uh, mm-hmm. was on the, the Sonics, and he played at Wichita State. So some of the games you played at yeah, oh, where some I, of the guys actually went to school. Well, we were playing as Philadelphia 76ers. I come down in the, you know, the lobby of the hotel. I'm trying to get to the bus early, making sure and I'm trying to impress them. None of that, you know, no, never be late for anything or whatever. So I'm down there early. Bernie Bickerstaff. Great guy, wonderful coach. One been great to me ever the whole time of my life as a as a professional as a as a professional coach and whatever. Um, pulls me aside. He said, uh, "He said, uh, are you going to start tonight?" I was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, I hadn't really played a lot, so now all of a sudden now I'm starting. So I knew in my mind, this is it. Like this is like <laughs> they giving you one last shot to see if you can do anything. And I was thinking to myself as I walked to the bus, here I am starting, and I got to go against Mo Cheeks who is, you know, like all-time great, you know. I said, oh, thanks a lot, Bernie. You know, so anyway, um, but I definitely, you know, when you asked that, Jeff, I went through a couple situations after that of thinking, should I chase it, you know, in terms of, you know, other opportunities, play overseas. I, But I've always uh, looked at myself more than just a player. And some, similarly, what I think of myself now is a co- more than just a coach. 
So when I thought of opportunities and options, one of the things I always thought about was business and basketball. That was always very fascinating to me. And then seeing obviously what, you know, Coach K is not just a basketball coach. He, he's a businessman. He's a leader. He's, he's a lot of different things than just calling the timeout on game day. Um, and when I was offered an opportunity to be a grad assistant, um, I thought about that as being an opportunity. Just how lucky am I to get started? Because I didn't know that I actually wanted to coach. But I thought about the combinations of an MBA and then being an assistant coach. And then he was offered the opportunity to me. And then right after my first year in MBA school as a grad assistant, Bob Bender uh, took a job at Illinois State. Here I am, 23 years old. And Coach K calls me into the office and says, uh, he says, all right, you know, uh, Bender's going to take, you know, gonna take the job at Illinois State. Um, I want you to I want you to move up if you if you if you want to take this opportunity to become on board full time. I mean, you notice how he's uh, Jeff, how he's avoided the elephant in the room, which is his 0-1 lifetime record as a player against BC. As a player, that's right, 1985, 74 to 73, folks. BC wow. in the in the Hoffines Pavilion. Hoffines Pavilion. That's exactly right. The Duke Blue Devils. Dominique and, Presley, Michael Adams. They right. those two guys. They they went at myself and Johnny Dog. They whooped us. In 1985. They, uh, they were, and yeah. I remember it was said, they were the only backcourt in America that could match you guys in speed. People Probably, could, I mean, that was... That was really you know, Michael good. Adams was a was an excellent pro for years, we know, and but people forget Dominic Presley, but he was a rocket ship. And he and Johnny Dawkins were high school teammates. Yeah, uh, the high school, D.C., right. He was a right. rocket Mac, ship. Back in high school. That's right. So but he had a I mean, cup of coffee, by the way, with the, I think, yeah. you know, that drafted that, and he had a cup of coffee. That was a big, you know, that was the progression of us as, as Duke at that yep. time. Yep. We lost in the, uh, my freshman year was the first NCAA tournament for Coach K. It was my first year. <laughs> Second year, my sophomore year, we lose. We win again. We lose to BC. Uh, my third year was when we go to Dallas in the, in the final four. I got to ask you about that game. All seriousness. How many times do you think about that title game against Louisville? Like, like, oh, like, like a, I'm, I'm not. I'm, okay, tell me, yeah, because I, I, I know if it were me, I would. I, 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 oh. I mean, one, I, you, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Um, you know, being on the staff after that and being a part of the, you know, as a coach, two national championships, '91 and '92, back to back. And I'm thinking, you know, because as a, you know, you think about how can you, you ever get a chance to make up for something that didn't happen or you know it didn't go your way. And obviously, it was a wonderful feeling, but it will never, you know, and I remember getting a call, Johnny Dawkins is in the pros, and he called me, and he said, after 91, and he said, uh, you know, did it, does that make up for us losing, you know, in 86? You know, he said he really was curious about that. And I said, man, I said, we're excited. I said, but you, you probably need to know this. I said, nothing is going to fill that void of us as players you know, that we dropped that game. And we had won, I think, like 21 or 22 games in a row. Um, you know, we, we were, you know, again, not, if you play, if we played that team, and like everybody says this, but if you played like 10 times, I can't imagine we wouldn't have won seven. That was the nerv- never nervous game. Never nervous purpose. He was yep. dominant. I, I think I told you when we met probably the first time we met Tommy. Uh, that 85-86 Duke team remains one of my handful of favorite teams of all time. I love that. I discovered you guys. I discovered you guys in the Madison Square Garden back in December. You beat Kansas. In the and, preseason and, in IT. 
Yes, and won it that preseason NIT. Wonderful game. I always like I always talk about great December games. You know that you're not ready for that level of of, of mutual expertise. At, you know, early in the season as that game presented, it was a wonderful game. You guys won, but I love the team, and I remember talking to Coach K about the composition of the team, and 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 the fact that you were you talk about okay of your time thirty. You guys were a positionless team. Yes. 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 Now, and that's what he's talked about this. He, and you, they talk about positionless basketball now, but you guys may have been the, you know, you were the canary in the mindset. Bob, I'm so glad to hear you say that because all this talk about these kinds of things now as if it's something that's brand new, you know. And, well, that's and why I'm around. They, they keep me around. I'm so glad you are. You're the historian. Better marketing. Yeah, you will be able to talk about the, you know, like all of a sudden the pick and roll is so, you know, in vogue and popular. Like, come on, man. I mean, pick and roll has been around for beginning of time. But our team, and that's the way Coach K, he coached all his his whole time at Duke. has never been about no. positions. I mean, he, he wanted the hothouse team. flower thing. That yes. the metaphor, the hothouse flower. And, and you know, there's no Duke style. There's no Duke. It's, it's, here's what I, who are the players I have? Let's see what I can do with them. That's Not, what I gotta fit this done. square peg into this round hole. He's 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 amazing at that. I, I marvel at his ability, and that's you know that's the greats of whether it's Belichick, Chishevsky. You know, you you think about Saban in Alabama. I mean, you know, all of them they have that. That's their greatness. Or give me what you have, and then I'll figure out how to put it together and win. That's what that's what they do. I got an Ivy League question for you before when play resumes next year, whenever uh, the tide and the, the true, the, the ancient format will be different. No more weekend cluster, no more Friday, Saturday, right? right. You looking forward to that? Or, or I guess, you know, I, um, I'm anxious to, um, to experience it. Uh, I don't know that I'm looking forward to it, but yeah. I'm anxious to experience it because I did like what we had. I, I, I was a fan of the you did like going through it and understanding it. You know, my first year understanding how hard it is. Yeah. You know, how how much these kids have to really absorb and take care of themselves and be prepared, you know, to play on back to back games. And then how we changed our philosophy with us at Harvard, how we recruited. You know, we needed to always make sure that we have a deep bench. Um, like that was a big component to us. <laughs> nobody's got more players. Better. I mean, yes. nobody's got more players on their bench than you. No, well, we, we, we've had a large roster, you know, as, as you know, but we needed to have, you know, actually players that we were going to play and also have, you know, more athletic players that bodies can recover the second night. And we, so it was a strategy for us. It was a, it was a concerted effort to figure out, you know, the back-to-backs. And we did it and did it really well. So I'm anxious to see how this is going to work because I did like there was a difference about our league. There are some things that, you know, we're different. And here's one of the reasons why we're different. What was the worst part? The drive, the, the going to, out to Cornell from Columbia? Was that Not one? even close. Yes. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> see, I figured that out. Yeah. What's the scheduling format? For next year now, what tell people what it is? Well, we, we, we won't have uh, – we will have – you know, we will just won't have every league game every weekend to be back-to-backs. We'll have some single weekend games. Um, so we we just won't have – we'll spread it out instead of having – Ten weeks. Yeah, instead ten eight. weeks instead of eight weeks. Got it. So Got we're going to spread it out and not have as many back-to-back. We still have games that we'll have back-to-backs, but we won't have every conference game will be on a back-to-back weekend. My, my big – uh, Ivy question for you. 
is whether the rule will ever be changed. Kids all have their year back this year, right? So it's so hard for the Ivy because you get four years to play. Um, you get eight semesters. Right, eight semesters. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Trying to spell it out easy for people. Yeah. Um, will that ever be – are you at all advocating for that to be changed, Tommy, so that kids don't have to leave if they get an injury for a year, for example? Um they, they have to leave. They, 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 they can't finish their career at Harvard, at Penn, at, at, at Yale. Well, Jeff, technically they can. They can get it back. They just have to withdraw from school. Right. So I, I, I understand what you're asking. You know, like we had a kid just, for instance, for us, Siani Chambers, yep. uh, who was injured, you know, had a, had a knee injury. Um, so he was out for a year. Oh, well, he wanted, to, he wanted to use his final year of eligibility at Harvard and play for us. He didn't want to just stay in school graduate with his, his, his incoming class, and then have the fifth year, which Seth Towns, other kids are doing now, they're finishing on time sure. with their incoming class academically, but they have to go somewhere else to use their final year of eligibility. So the rule in the Ivy League is just basically very simple. You, you're not allowed to be a graduate student playing undergraduate sports. Yeah. So you can technically finish or still get your year back at an Ivy League school, you just have to withdraw from school and not stay on track, yeah. which is, con- you know, how, how so hard, how so hard for a kid not to do that for. It is hard. It's hard. And I don't know that that will change. I really I think there's some things, you know, whether that, you know, uh, non scholarships, yeah. uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, the level of it of admission working out, not working out in the summer. Correct. Correct. I, I think because, all... because we don't have summer school. So I just think there are things about our model. Again, that's when I say about our model and our mindset. I think we're – and another thing about us, and I, I, I really admire this, and I admire this in people, you know, and I, I think about this, and, Bob, you know, you would maybe know better with, with certain players, you know, a kid like uh, – you know, a, not a kid, but a guy like Tim Duncan, um, or I think of Jeremy Lin in this way, uh, and I admire this about Ivy League, at least certainly with Harvard. Like, we know who we are. We were not trying to be someone that we're not. And you think about that in the world we live in. I mean, how, how wonderful is that to be able to say to a person, like, you know, they're, they're comfortable with being who they are. They're not trying to be something that they're not. They're not trying to adapt to something that doesn't fit who they really are to a core. And if you think about that to whether it's people we know and love, whether it's our children, what, you know, that's a hell of a, I mean, to be able to say, that's a power. I mean, how many people do we really know that we can say that to and about? Not a lot. That they really are comfortable with who they are and they're, they're okay with that. We are like that at our Harvard and Ivy Something just popped into my head. We had a recent uh, podcast guest, uh, Grant Williams. And, yeah. and uh, um, how did, at what point in the process did Tommy Amaker think, oh, we, we really might get this guy? How close? Well, we were, listen, what, not only Grant Williams, but another one, if you guys can get, you know, Aaron Neesmith, you know, who's the, the, the top pick, you know, for, for the Celtics right now. Yes. And, and he, we, his brother went to Harvard. His, oh. brother, his brother graduated. So we were recruiting the heck out of him. Huh. Um, he, was, he was an Ivy League recruit to certain uh, us, Yale, and maybe, I don't know, maybe us two for sure. Uh, but Grant Williams is, an, I mean, just what, what a great guy. You know, oh. what, what a fabulous kid and his. You know, His future family. is not going to be in basketball. That's I, I, right. There's no possible. I no no way. He's, you know, it's just not. 
No. Well, we fight sometimes, and you guys will probably, you know, can see this, is that, you know, that kids like Grant, you know, for instance, and, and Aaron, for instance, uh, are so much interested and so intrigued, and, and we've done everything we can possibly do. They recognize that. It's sometimes they, in their minds, they want to think of playing at the highest level possible in college for their experience. And that's, I tell them all the time that the, my, my thought with that is that I understand as long as the situation's right for you. I said, sometimes kids get wrapped up in wanting to be at the level and forget about how good is the situation that they have. Mm-hmm. Let's don't sacrifice the situation just for the level. That's, and those two kids didn't. They found the right situations for them. My, my final question for you, Tommy, going back to the breakfast club, who's the one, who's the one person that you want to get in the breakfast club uh, that you haven't been able to? Well, it, it's probably right here on this on this Zoom right now. It's Bob Ryan. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> good answer. Good that's, answer. That's, that's the one guy that we we've had we've had we've had Governor Baker, we've had Governor Patrick, we've had Arnie Duncan, we've had Harry Edwards, we've had uh, Tony Dungy, we've had Doc Rivers, we've had James Brown, we've had uh, uh, you know Mayor Walsh, and I cannot get Bob Ryan. Like that's <laughs> we've had. We have all these rock star people, and now we're waiting just when we can find a moment. We got President Larry Bacow. We got President of Heart. We got all these people who have come to be a special guest at the Breakfast Club, and well, now we're waiting on Bob Ryan. Bob, How what's that? going on? Have your man call my man, and we'll see what yeah, we can do. Exactly. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it. When will the Breakfast Club start back up again? We start in January. Uh, Doc Rivers was just in. Well, when I say we haven't dropped it, we've just been doing it virtually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we we, we haven't dropped it. We we had Tony Dungy. We've had, uh, um, you know, Doc Rivers came last month. Uh, well, this month, well, early in December. President Larry Bacow is going to come uh, in January. Um, we're probably going to have at some point. Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to put things out there too much, but Mike Tomlin. Uh, you know, we're we we've been that kind of group. You know, the people that have. That's awesome. And the members of the group, and we we have our players there, Jeff. That that's one of the things that's right, right, so powerful no, that's, for our kids. Well, the experience that they have. I mean, again, we talk about what you know. Sometimes people focus on what they don't have, right? What they don't have, the highest level. They're not playing on TV, all. But but what they have, the the life experiences that they get. And it, listen, I've been to plenty of your practices. I, I'll tell anybody this. Like, I, I just think overall the culture at Harvard and, and what they get. And, and I, I just have so much respect for you and, and, and how, um, how you coach, how you coach, how you deal with these kids in a way that so many other coaches don't. I, I wonder how much that changed even going to Harvard, right. And, you know, not understanding it. And maybe after a year or two, really getting the overall, because you were, listen, you were at Duke. You were all about basketball at one point. You're at Michigan. You're at Seton Hall. Those are all about basketball first and foremost. Now you're at a place that, let's face it, it's not all about basketball. It's not. And, and, and I'm, you know what, um, I love that uh, because I, it's, uh, you know, one of the, you know, Bob, you mentioned uh, Mo Lewis, and, and I'm, you know, speaking of Chris Lewis, his son who played, you know, one of the most powerful things uh, that I've ever had a kid say to me as a, as a, as a player all my time, um, he said, he said to me, he said, coach, he said, I've had a lot of coaches. He said, but you were truly my first teacher. I mean, 
you talk about being knocked over because I mean, that means everything to me. And Jeff, what you're speaking of, and I, I say to people all the time, the best teacher that I had in my time at Duke, the best teacher, the best professor was Coach K. Yeah. I mean, that, the best teacher, professor that goes through my political science courses, my, my major is an economics major, and that's not a knock to anybody there. But my best teacher and the only the great coaches, as we all know, and Bob, you would know this better than, than most, if not all people, the best coaches at the core of who they are, they're great teachers. Yeah. And so I value that greatly, Jeff. And so when you say that about our program and we don't lose sight of, you know, how important basketball is. It's just one of the things that we try to say, you know, for us is that um, we want basketball to be important. We want them to have dreams and goals of being professionals in basketball. We just say to them. It just can't be your only dream. It can't be your only goal. Look like, like Seth, Seth Towns. You Look at Seth Towns, right? It's not going to work at Harvard if that's your only goal. Right. That's all we say. Like, yeah. But you know what? Damn it. I want it to be one of your goals now. Of course. Don't tell me it's not on the list. I mean, if it's not on the list, I don't want you either. I mean, I'm right, just right. <laughs> no, you better be passionate about it, but you better have something else. That's right. Uh, and, 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 that's- I think, and if I could have, you know, somehow something could be said about me as a during my time of what I have done, um, if somehow it could be said to me what I know that I feel and say about Coach K, uh, and to be able to say that if, if I'm the coach at Harvard and someone could say he was my best teacher or one of my best teachers and they went to Harvard, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm done. I mean, I, I, you know, that'd be cool. That'd be really cool. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, listen, we, we appreciate you, uh, uh, fitting us into your busy schedule today. Uh, I know it wasn't my wife, easy. My wife is really happy that you guys called, Bob. She's really happy. She's excited. Sure. Hey, the, the best lunch spot to take out from in, in down the Cape is where? Where's your, where's your uh, go-to lunch spot? Place, the best place, Epic Oyster uh, or New Seabury Country. We, we go to New Seabury a lot. Yeah. That's great. Um, Blue and Mashpee Commons. Uh, we got our spots now. I've been there. My parents had a place in New Seabury for years and then right on the golf course. And then uh, they moved to North Falmouth. So I've listen, I've hit plenty of golf balls uh, late at night when, when, when everybody else got off the course, jumped on, I think it was like the 12th hole, uh, jumped on there, not only hit golf balls, but threw the golf ball, threw the ball to my dog uh, on the golf course. So you remember the old line, uh, Tommy, uh, I married him for better or worse, but not for lunch. That's right. That's exactly right. I love it. I love it. Hey, guys, thank you so much, okay? Like yeah. I really appreciate it. Be safe, be well, stay busy, and uh, hey, and happy holidays, all right? Same. Thanks, Tommy. Thank appreciate thank it, guys.